team, happy Wednesday. I hope you're all fantastically well. And thank you so much for joining me nice and early. Apologies if that clap was really loud. My microphone is now here. So I'm just trying to uh, rejig a few of the sound things. So hopefully the sound will be a little bit better for you this evening. If it isn't and it's absolutely mega pants, please do jump on the chat and let me know. But this evening, we want to talk about trail running, not just trail running in general, but yes, maybe trail running in general, but ideally how we can go and get into trail running, some of the bits of kit and equipment that we'll need, because I think that can be overcomplicated sometimes, and how to start, you know, how to go from dirty road running to coming to the dark side, to the better side of trail running and embracing trails a little bit more. Um, there's going to be a few... We're going to go down a few sarcastic roads and we're going to go down a few serious roads because there's quite a lot that we can cover in this one. But I want to make this short, sharp and straight to the point. I think this is going to be a very good podcast episode for people to listen back to. Um, I've got some slides. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably not going to use them very much, but they're going to keep me on the straight and narrow. And there's a few bits and pieces in there, which I think are going to be quite useful. But ultimately, um, there's just things that I want to talk you through. So stand by. Let me share my screen. And then we'll get stuck in. There we go. We're in. I hope everyone can see a screen. I'm assuming you all can because I can. And that's good. And then I should be up in this corner here somewhere. So hello. Now then, trail running. How to start? What do you need? It's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it, really? So we're going to get started with essential running gear. And this is probably the slide that took me the longest to put together. As you can see, I am typically a very, very good graphic designer, and I do love depth of information. So I think this slide took me ages to put together because ultimately, essential running gear are legs, feet, and shoes. And I didn't really want to massively overcomplicate this because I did have a list of things that I wanted to put down. You think, oh, yeah, that's really good. We need this, we need this, we need this. But what's essential? Ultimately, do you need any food for under an hour and a half? No. Do you really need any water for under that time? You, there's an argument for it, depending on weather and conditions and how much you drink. But if you just want to go out and go for a trail run, you don't need that. What else do we need? Well, we need to put some shoes on. Technically, you don't even need shoes. You could go out for a run with no shoes on. So in terms of essential running gear, limbs. Limbs are a good start. And that is kind of where I want to kick things off, because I don't want this to be super mega overcomplicated. I want this to be something that is, you can watch this, you can go, right, okay, I've got, I've seen through Ben's jokes now, uh, they're not very good, but I know exactly what I need to do to get out and start trail running. Because if we're going from road running, or if we're just starting trail running, regardless of our running background, and we want to start going out on these little adventures, what we tend to do is we jump on our phone, we go onto Instagram, we see people running across mountains, and we're like, yes, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then it massively puts us off, and we're biting off far more than we can chew and we're setting ourselves up for ultimately for failure so for example it's a bit like remember when i've said before you know setting the bar low enough for your goals so that you can actually achieve them well this is going to be a masterclass in how to do that i.e uh, not looking at a mountain and being like i'm going to go and run up that tomorrow but rather being like well there's a field at the back so i'm going to start running around that first the thing with any anything really in terms of goal development the thing is checking the ego it's a bit like going to the gym like it doesn't matter if you go out and you're super mega slow strava doesn't care you think strava cares but nobody cares you might have those people who are like oh that's very slow for you today 
get those people out of your circle they don't need to be there because all they're doing is they're they are wasting your mental bandwidth and i mean that on a serious note yes there are some people who are saying it in a more jovial manner but those people don't understand where your training is going and what it is that you're trying to achieve and if you really wanted to you could ignore their comments and then give it six weeks and then crush them in another run or a trail run or some sort of competition if you are that way inclined but the key thing here is let's just not take everything so completely massively seriously here if you want to get stuck into trail running it's going to bruise your ego. Why? I'm going to come on to this later. It's going to be slower. It's going to be a bit more painful. You are not going to perform the same way as you do on roads and on the track. So that's the sort of thing that we need to be checking here. You need to go out. If you want to run trails, you need to go out for enjoyment. Every trail runner ever in the world goes out for enjoyment. Enjoyment, enjoyment first. Because if you want to go fast, go the track. If you want to do roads, do roads and pavements. If you want a trail run, you're most likely looking for the more adventurous side to running as a whole. So we need to keep the main thing the main thing. Again, if you want speed, start off and go to something else that's speedy somewhere else. If you want to build your trail running ability, if you want to get better at running trails and then get faster at running trails and then be able to run mountains and then be able to do mountain marathons and then be able to do ultraman, whatever it is that you want to do, great. Let's remember where we got to start and be objective. So to summarize this really detailed slide, essential running gear, there really isn't any. Okay, but what actually helps? Now, this is where we need to be a little bit more jovial, a little bit more light, lighthearted. Ultimately, when it comes to the principles of things, we're probably gonna need some water. If we're running for more than an hour and a half, if we're more than out for more than an hour and a half, we are most likely gonna need some sort of food. We need to have clothes on because that would be illegal. And we need to have a sense of direction because that really helps when we're off trail. Now, the snack vest which is the very technical term for hydration vests and bits and pieces. It's a snack vest, let's face it. It's a bag that you put around your chest and it has a couple of clips in the middle and you fill it full of snacks and you put your phone in it. Do you need a snack vest? Well, technically, no. You could go for like a flip belt or like one of those little running belts that have a few more of the little, um, what do you call it, uh, lycra pockets and stuff. But again, snacks are life. We know that. What we need to do is we need to make sure that we've got somewhere to put them because I don't know about you, been in the point where you've had shorts on and you put your phone in there and you put your snacks in there and then, you know, everything's like hanging down and it's all the weight that's in those pockets starts to pull your uh, um, pull your shorts down and you get a very, very specific um, spelling mistake like I put there. I'm not entirely sure what weighing down is, but you get the idea. We don't want to be in a bad place. So a snack vest. Do we need to go for the all singing, all dancing, top of the range, ultimate direction, Solomon, Patagonia, whatever? No. Could we go to Deca Decathlon and get a relatively light running vest with some pockets in it? Yes, 100%. If you are starting trail running, do not spend tons and tons and tons and tons of money on things that you're probably going to replace further down the line anyway. That's counterintuitive, isn't it, really, to the buy cheap, buy twice kind of mentality. But, you know, I'm all for buying quality stuff. But at the end of the day, you can get some really, really cracking deals on end of the line Solomon packs, for example, which really hug the chest and pull um, like bits of the packing at the back. So you can like wedge your jacket down your back and it's not flapping around everywhere. I would strongly suggest not having a bladder on your back, you know, the little camelback things, because those things slosh around like there's no tomorrow. Literally, the only time I would use one of those is if I'm out hiking specifically and I'm not, I'm not like jolting my bag around everywhere. You do not need a hydra like a um sorry, a hydration bladder. Now then, what we can do with these fancy snack vests is we can get these little floppy bottles, which are made of silicon, and they kind of sit here. 
You can get other ones that are kind of a bit more underslung. I've got two that go here, which kind of fold out the way a little bit and you get more snacks here. And then you got the tubes that come up here and you're, you're good to go. That is a very, very good place to start. If you're not that, if you're not really going out for that much of uh, a long distance to warrant needing food, but you do need to have a water bottle, then again, you've got plenty of options here. If you were to get a flip belt, for example, uh, which is just a small, um, if you imagine a belt about that sort of wide and it kind of goes, I don't know if you can see, kind of goes around your waist and then clips in. Um, it's going to go around the, the narrowest part of the waist. Try not to put it around the hips because it will ride up and flop around everywhere and it's really annoying. I've got a cheap one of those that I got from Amazon for about six pounds, which is an elastic belt. And then it's got like a fabric. Um, I guess it's a bit like a bum bag, isn't it, really? But it's a very, very narrow fabric zippy thing uh, with two little dump pouches on the side. So you can put a water bottle in there if you really need to and it doesn't flop around. My phone goes in there. My keys go in there. And usually being a dog owner, it's full of poo bags and treats. Uh, I do not eat the dog treats, but Ernie does. And that is great for literally the majority of training runs. Why? Because I'm usually listening to music or a podcast or something. So therefore the phone comes in handy. And apparently male shorts don't come with pockets anymore. And female shorts come with all the pockets. So we don't get pockets anymore. Um, oppression. But having a small uh, belt like that can be a really, really useful thing. So you don't even need a snack vest. So again, we need to understand What's the main thing here? What are we trying to achieve? If your distance is like five to 10 kilometers, you don't need a snack vest. If you're going out for more than an hour and a half, probably worth it. If you're wanting to go out for longer distances, yes, most certainly worth it. But again, if your distance is below 10, even 15K, depending on the pace that you're doing, do you need a full running vest? Probably not. You know, to an extent, a belt is going to be fine because with those belts, you can shove a little um, squeezy water bottle in there. So you've got 500 ml of water. You're good to go. You can put snacks in there. You can put your phone in there. You can put your essentials in there. And, you, you know, that that's going to suffice. I feel like some more obvious things to say would be, you know, if you're going to take if I drive to a lot of my trail running destinations. So obviously things like taking the car key off your house keys, leaving your house keys in the car, stops things jingling around. You're not wasting space, um, ensuring that, you know, you've got one of those squeezy water bottles with a lockable lid is a very, very useful thing, especially if it's going in a belt where um, I should really have brought my belt as a prop. But especially if you've got a belt where the water bottle's got to be sideways mounted in the in the pack, because if it pinches and water goes everywhere, you're going to have a very sad day. So very important to get one that's got a locking head. I would suggest that 90 percent of some of the better silicon water bottles like Solomon, Ultimate Direction. Uh, a lot of the decathlon ones, actually, a lot of the ones you can get in Blacks, um, uh, sorry, not Blacks, um, what's it called? Go Outdoors, all have a little twist lock thing on top, um, Osprey, all that sort of stuff. Um, what's the other brand? Camelback. They all have locking ones. I think that's a very, very useful thing because if you're sideways mounting water bottles, the last thing you want is wet everywhere. Um, so I think, you know, understanding what your distances are, understanding what the times of your runs are and understanding, you know, exactly what it is that you're going to be doing is going to help you differentiate between whether you actually need a snack vest or whether you just need something to carry a water bottle. Even if you don't need a belt, you know, you can get water bottles. I personally cannot stand these. I hate them with a passion, but it might be your jam. But you can get the water bottles that you put your hand in, you know, where it's kind of like a loop that goes in your hand. I hate them. I hate them. I can't get along with them at all. I can't really run with anything in my hands. But you do you. If it works for you, then that's awesome. 
Um, obscene clothing, that seems to be something that really, really helps with going into trail running. You know, we need our typical Cumbrian runner three-inch shorts that are barely legal. We need a high-vis specifically tank top or vest. We need knee-high socks. We basically need to look like we're in a Rocky Three training montage. That is that is kind of the, the essentials, really, for when it comes to starting trail running. On a realistic note, you don't need any of those. High Viz is a very, very useful thing. And, you know, you can get some, I can't quite remember what the brand is. If anyone can tell me the brand, then please do. And they do those like jackets and, and T-shirts and things that are like uber reflective. And they take like the smallest amount of light and it's like the sun. And um, they are incredible. Really, really good. My only problem with those is the big thick jackets are not very breathable because they are all just reflective material. But I've got like um, I've got a, a very lightweight long sleeve thing and it's got reflective lines that have been stitched into the whole thing. So um, when light shines on it, you just get lots and lots of reflective lines. So, again, it sticks out. We we are unfortunately coming into autumn and then inevitably into winter. So those days are going to get shorter and shorter. Um, Provis. Thank you, Claire. They are Provis reflectives. Um, you know, the days are going to get shorter and shorter. So guess what? We're going to need to get things that are more and more reflective. We're at the point now where when I wake up in the morning, I see the sunrise. When I'm going to bed in the morning, I don't go to bed in the morning. When I go to bed at night, I can see the sunset. You know, the days are getting shorter. Whether we want to admit that or not, it's coming. So getting something reflective, really, really good. What you can also get on Amazon, which I think is a very good thing, is it's like a elasticated band, um, like a belt thing. It's about, I'd say, a solid four, four or five inches wide. Um, with a big like plastic buckle clip you know like on the hip um hip strap of a bag you have that and it's just a belt and because it's reflective and stretchy you can put it over your hips so top of the bum over the bony bit of the hips and clip it in and you don't feel that it's there a it keeps your shorts up and stops your t-shirt from riding up which is always fantastic but again it's reflective and the reflective bit is exactly the same as a like a worker's reflective vest you know the the yellow and the reflective line um those are really really useful I was issued those, funnily enough, in the army, and and I robbed a couple. So um ended up getting quite a few of those. And you can get them off Amazon for three or four pounds. So if you're running around, if you're based in like a town or a city or something for the evening, you don't then need to run in a full high-vis vest. But having something like that, really, really useful um, just to kind of keep you visible, really. Whether you're, you know, out in the countryside or not out in the countryside, what's the harm in being seen? Um, other essentials. Now then. I think I've got a strong argument here for toe socks. It sounds weird and people look at me weird, but I'm completely convinced. I've been wearing these things for like five or six years now and I've never really, in fact, would I say never? No, I don't think I've ever. Ooh, it's a bold statement, isn't it? I don't think I've ever had a blister in those five or six years. If I have, I can definitely count them on one hand. I don't get many at all. And that is entirely down to toe socks. Toe socks are insane. Like they're really, really good. Yes, they look weird. Yes, you look like a teenage girl that goes to school with those, you know, like knee-high, stripy, bumblebee toe socks. I know you've already had them before. I can see you in the background. And the thing is, they're insanely good. They're so good. They stop you from having blisters. They hug your feet fantastically well. They stop your toes from rubbing together. And they keep grit out of your toes even better. So totally convinced by toe socks. I know you can get like uh, there's a brand called Hilly that do them. Um, I use the brand Ingeniji, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, and also Vibram do their own as well, which are really, really good. Again, you can get them off Amazon super cheap nowadays. So you don't necessarily need to be loyal to a brand. But I would 
with any type of sock ever, you're going to get what you pay for. If you get cheap, crappy ones, they're going to wear through quicker. Um, the Ingenigi ones, they're not cheap. I'll throw it out there. I'm pretty sure they're about £15 per pair, but they do last an awful long time. Take it from me. I, they're the only socks I actually own, apart from the odd pair of hiking socks. And they have, they last me a very, very long time. Um, there's not a very high churn on those socks at all. So I would strongly, strongly recommend those. Um, awesome. Great. If you look at the chat, there's some recommendations in there as well from Cam. So awesome. Happy days. So, you know, I'm trying to keep this as jovial as possible, but ultimately we need to not, not overcomplicate things. This is not like buying a new toy and then thinking, right, I need to get all the upgrades. This is just getting out running, you know, in, in its purest sense, this should be the easiest, cheapest way of getting out on an adventure possible because you don't need anything. You just need feet. And even then, their feet are optional because people run without feet and without lower limbs. And it's incredible. It's amazing. So ultimately, going out trail running, you don't need that much. Top priorities, understand your distance and time going out. If it's anything over an hour and a half, you need something to carry something in. So I'd suggest a snack vest of some description. Um, some options on snack vests, you know, again, Go to go outdoors, try a couple of cheap ones on. You do not need to blow the bank account on these. Solomon, I think, mm, would I say Solomon are better? I think Solomon and Innovate are probably my two higher faring brands because they're a little bit lighter and there's, there's just not much to them. I've got the, um, the Innovate Race Ultra Pack. Um, I think off the top of my head, it was about 70 quid because um, you can get a lot of sale options on these as well. You can get them off sports shoes, which always have deals on. Um, sport pursuit as well which always have deals on and wiggle which usually have sales on and they're usually pretty pretty cheap um also solomon ones i i can't remember off the top of my head solomon models but go cheaper go lighter which is good um and also ultimate direction are okay but i feel like they start to get a little bit more bulky and a little bit more chunky so they're really good if you're doing like super long distances and you want something a bit more ruggedized but i'd have a look at solomon i'd have a look at innovate for snack vests they're a fantastic option for those who want to talk more about this sort of stuff i will bring all to an extent all of my kit with me to the trail running workshop thing that we're going to do on the 2nd of september i'll also have a bunch of stuff for those who are coming to scotland next week for our summer retreats you legends um, so we can talk through stuff there and just have a feel of things and try things on, you know, go nuts. I'll bring all my stuff. You can go, go for your life. Um, and at least then we can start to figure out what we need. If you're not then needing a, a, a snack vest, because quite frankly, you're not going out for long enough, then just get a belt, get something that just goes around your waist, a little bum bag of some description, something that can hold a little squeezy bottle in of 500 mil will do you fine. Something you can throw a cliff bar in of some description. You, put, you can put your key in, you can put your phone in and you're done. That's all you're going to need to carry. Um, in addition to that, then looking at clothing and stuff. Um, thanks, Claire, bring stuff for a woman's fit because they are different. Yes, indeed. Um, looking at clothing and stuff, again, get a decent pair of socks and get something high vis. Everything else is going to be down to your personal preference. If you want to run in a vest, you go nuts, my friend. If you want to, if you want to wear three-inch shorts, I'd suggest rubbing something between your legs because that can be a, a an unpleasant day. Um, however, if you find that leg chafing is a thing, go for skin-tight shorts. Whether you want to put them underneath your super um, super, oh my goodness me, what's the word? Super short uh, three-inch shorts. I said short quite a lot in that sentence. Then go nuts. But things like compression shorts. Uh, boxer shorts like pants absolutely fine or any type of sort of gym based lycra tight shorts they're going to stop chafing on the thighs 
and a lot of people complain a lot about chafing and bits and pieces i've got a pair of barely legal three inch shorts and i only wear them on special occasions but if i wear them and sorry for the picture but not much underneath them or i don't wear anything long underneath them i will say let's keep this uh, let's keep this um, below 18 thank you very much um if i don't wear anything underneath them yes chafing does happen thighs rub it happens to everybody every single body why because we don't run like john wayne so wearing something underneath them extremely extremely useful getting something like um you know tight shorts really really going to help yes you can run rub vaseline and bits and pieces um between your legs but a you look like a weirdo b you look like a predator and c why bother when you can get shorts on that are absolutely going to be fine how do compression shorts work and what are the benefit of them ha well the benefit of compression while running very little scientific evidence to back it back it up the benefit of compression in recovery yes quite good because it helps reduce inflammation and it helps essentially all compression does is it helps promote the circulation of lymphatic fluid now arms and legs are appendages which means they're the end of a circuit if you imagine the core is a big circuit that goes around in a circle well things go out to an appendage but gravity can work against us to stop that stuff going from the edge of the appendage back to the core again gravity doesn't work against the core but it does work against the legs and it does work against the hands just go for a hike and swing your arms for three or four hours and then you have fat hands just go for a run, take your shoes off and you have fat feet. Happens to everybody. This is lymphatic fluid. What compression does in recovery specifically is help promote the movement of that lymphatic fluid back to the lymph nodes, which are going to be close to very close to the core. They're kind of around here, in here, in the hips that you can't see where I'm pointing, uh, top of the legs, that sort of thing. They bring that back to the lymphatic channels, uh, lymphatic, um, what they called nodes. Thank you very much and helps the recycling of that fluid. If we don't do that, then we can have fat hands and fat feet for a little while longer. Eventually, yes, it will drain, but it expedites that process. Well, why doesn't it do it itself? That's a great question. Well, there's no pump really to lymphatic fluids. There's no pump, like we have a heart, right? That pumps blood around the body, that, that keeps the circulation. But the heart doesn't pump lymphatic fluid. What does pump lymphatic fluid is movement. When muscles move, fluid moves. Muscle moves, fluid moves. So when you just sit still in recovery after a long run, this is definitely a tangent. When we sit still in recovery and then we let our things just swell and feet swell and knees swell, we're not doing ourselves any favor because you've stopped that circulation system. And that lymphatic fluid needs to go to the appendage, grab some rubbish and pull it out of the appendage and then recycle it back into the lymph node and continue that process going. Which is why I'll say until the cows come home, if you're going for a big long run or you've got a race or whatever on a Sunday, let's say, on a Monday, you need to be out for an easy run. You, you need to be or on an easy bike or something like that, because you've got to keep your body moving. If you've just bashed out hours and hours and hours at a mountain bike park, then guess what you need to do on, on Sunday, let's say, then guess what you need to do on Monday? Easy spin out on the bike. Why? To promote that recycling of lymphatic fluid, to promote that uh, recovery element. Now, let's rewind, get back to the point. What is the benefit during training? Not a lot. There you go. Not a lot. They're just tight shorts. So I went through a phase of really swearing by um, calf compression and thigh compression with super tight shorts, super tight calf compression. I would literally buy calf compressors that were too small for me to get extra tightness. Do you know what that does? Cuts off circulation to your feet. Then your feet go numb and you get pins and needles and it's not very pleasant. 
ultimately, there's very little evidence that suggests the that there is anything particularly beneficial about wearing compression while going through exercise. However, let's introduce ourselves, folks, to the placebo effect. If you do something and you think it works, then guess what? It works. There's no point me saying, oh, you tried out and it worked for you, but it doesn't work because science, when if it works for you and you're like, yeah, 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 it's cool. I've done it all the time. Then great. You're, you're doing you're doing nothing wrong. So crack on. But if you're thinking, right, well, maybe I need to start doing that. You don't need to. You don't need to at all. So compression while training. Don't bother. Compression in recovery. Yes, can be useful. And that can be compression in like compression socks. That can be compression in compression tights. You can get like skins. Uh, the brand skins do a, uh, like um, a compression tight thing, which is pretty tight around the calves, pretty tight around the um, thighs. They're pretty good. I used to live in those when I was in the army, sort of after training and stuff. Um, again, you can get the fancy, expensive air compression foot boot things. That's a very flashy expense, in my opinion. There's a lot more you can be doing for your overall recovery unless you are in the position where you are training a lot and i'm talking seven eight nine ten hours per week and you know you are really pushing yourself hard all the time consistently then yeah okay it's a nice expense to have that in your living room you're just going to look a bit weird while you're watching eastenders but there's a lot more we can be doing in the recovery process for that so that was a very long tangent to answer that question but i, I kind of hope that helps you know when it comes to clothing again like i just said there, we don't need to overcomplicate it yet i've just overcomplicated everything in a massive tangent we don't need all of this stuff. You just need something to stop you from getting arrested when it comes to clothing and something to keep you comfortable. And when it comes to comfort, chafing is going to be our number one enemy. So wearing something long on the thighs, very good. Um, if you feel that you are, you have if issues with nipple chafing, then again, we need to, we need to make sure that we've got um, measures in place for that. You could be an absolute savage and put duct tape on them, you horrible people. Or you could put a little bit of, you can get like nipple chafing cream and stuff. I can't say I've ever suffered with that issue, but I'm going to throw it out there. The quality of your t-shirt is going to dictate the outcome of your nips. All right. So if you go to a race and you get your free race t-shirt and then you run that race and that free race t-shirt, you're an idiot. Why? Because your body's going to hate you. Cheap, horrible very abrasive nylon t-shirts or lycra t-shirts and they're rubbing around all over the place it's not going to end well however maybe a little bit more spenny nice light trail running t-shirts like this dynafit one for example or i use the brand oblo they're, they're fantastic you know that's really going to help why because you're going to be saving yourself you're going to stop the rubbing so much and not going for the cheap stuff uh claire nappy rash cream perfect for chafing pseudocrem yeah 100 i mean Yes, I think cream is good. I think there are better measures in. I think there are better measures you can do uh, rather than just lathering yourself up with cream all the time. But again, it depends where you're chafing. At the end of the day, cream is going to rub away. At the end of the day, if you're chafing under the arm, well, we need to figure out what that chafing is. Do we need to get a different fitting type of t-shirt or top? Do we need to get maybe a slightly tighter vest to put underneath the t-shirt so that you're holding everything in? For example, uh, the women among us, sports bras do we dare go there i mean goodness me that's like a that's like an entire pit of science trying to find the right sports bras that fit you know clearly i don't wear them but from the conversations i've had about them that can be an absolute pit and i think you know claire's going to have lots of insight here in terms of the things that she's tried and everything else there but again this is a serious thing that you want to get right and best fire chat ever yes thank you very much you know this is something you need to trial and error if you think you're going to get 
gentlemen here, if you think you're going to get bullet nipples and then they're going to start rubbing and bleeding everywhere, try different T-shirts first before we start amputating things. For the ladies among us, and we're looking at sports bras, like you're going to have to try different ones. There's going to be a wealth of knowledge here in this amazing group of amazing people who have all worn different things, okay? And this is where we can share that knowledge for where people are, you know, where people are learning. The amount of polls and things I see on Instagram of women runners that I tend to follow, and, and they're all just like, right, sports bra advice, need it, you know? There's so many different options out there, but it all boils down to anything, really, that we're trying anything new, whether this is a snack vest or whether this is a sports bra or anything in between, is trial and error. You're going to waste your money on stuff, 100%. You're going to think that was the worst purchase in the world, 100%. But you have to go through these things to make sure you understand what works for you. Because no one size fits all for anything when it comes to snack vests, when it comes to nipple chafing, when it comes to thigh chafing, when it comes to sports bras, when it comes to sports kit, three-inch barely legal shorts, any of these things, it's trial and error. Again, you want to be comfortable. And I don't just mean comfortable in terms of comfy clothing. I mean comfortable in here. You know, let, look at um, Courtney DeWalter. Does she ever wear super mega short shorts? No. Solomon specifically designed the Courtney short, knee length Solomon shorts. Because do you know what? That's what she's comfortable in. And do you know what? She kicks ass at every single race she ever does ever. And she's a living human legend. Do you need to follow, you know, oh my goodness me, what's the word? I can't think of the word. I'm so passionate this evening. I can't even think of my words. Do you need to follow the dichotomy of other brands and what they're pushing? No, you absolutely don't. Do you need to follow trends? Thank you very much. Do you need to follow the trends of what people are doing on social media? No, we're all going to know that person. You probably follow them. I know you follow them. You should follow me instead. Everyone should tell their friends to follow me instead. You know, those people who have the super short, tiny, barely legal hot pants, all right, that, that don't leave anything to the imagination. And people think, right, well, maybe I need to be wearing that Gymshark. Bastards, that's what they do. And then you'll have the guys in their stupid string vests and super short shorts and they're like, oh, maybe I should be wearing that. But if you're self-conscious in any way, you need to make yourself feel comfortable. You know something? It took me an awful long time to wear a vest. Why? I'm not mega jacked, all right? I'm not a bodybuilder. I'm never going to be. And I don't look like one. So wearing a vest, a little bit uncomfortable. But you need to get to the point where you feel comfortable. I say obscene clothing. Be comfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. And there's things that we can do to improve that and improve your relationship with food and your body and everything else, but also dress to the point where you feel comfortable. It's not a case of being, you know, lost in, what's the word I'm looking for? Lost in the trends of social medias and everything else. It's a case of making sure that you're comfortable. And the final thing here, sense of direction. It's probably the most important thing. If you're going out on trails, you're going to need a sense of direction. You need to know where you're going. You need to know what you're doing. And how we do that is not overcomplicating things, which I'm going to describe in the next. No, I'm not. I'm going to describe in the next slide after this one. But let's talk about shoes before we then come on to a sense of direction, because that's a fun conversation on its own. Shoes, to an extent, my favorite term, to an extent. Everything here is to an extent. Where did I get this information from? Well, I Googled it and I Googled what trail shoes do I need or what shoes do I need to start trail running? And then you get flooded with millions and millions and millions of results. And I, I took a few bits and I thought, actually, I'm going to add my Ben Turner to an extent um, end to the sentence of each of these. You know, foot type, foot gait, go to go and get a gait analysis, go and get all this stuff. To an extent, finding shoes based on the shape and the mechanics of your feet, again, to an extent. 
when you're tra uh, trying trail shoes, here's the first thing you need to start with. What is comfortable? That's the first thing. Go to somewhere like Guy Outdoors, go to Ellis Brigham, go to Cotswold, go to Runner's Need, whatever, and try a bunch of shoes on. I would strongly recommend not buying them online unless you're going to do like buy 10 pairs, try a bunch on, live in the house in them for a week, and then send them all back. Like go to a shop, try a bunch on because you're going to be different sizes in loads of different shoes and different brands. But in addition, there are going to be different types of grip, especially with trail running. There's going to be different types of grip that are going to be comfortable to you and not comfortable to you. Um, so there's going to be a big crossover of your overall preference there. Now, when we say comfort, there are going to be certain things that we need to bear in mind here. Now, number one, barefoot shoes, lowery. Just about to come onto that. Fantastic. Um, number one. Do we need any form of drop? Now, I've spoken about in previous talks what drop is. Okay, so if this is the toe of the shoe and this is the heel of the shoe, the difference in height between the heel and the toe is called the drop. So let's say we've got a stack of 20 mil here. Let's say we've got some obscene massive shoes on. All right, we've got 20 mil here and we've got 10 mil here. Well, the difference between a 20 mil stack on the heel, so a 20 mil of sole and 10 mil of sole here is 10 mil, right? 20 minus 10 is 10. So that means that there is a 10 millimeter drop in that shoe, which means the foot is going to be pitched forward like that by 10 millimeters. If you want to try a 10 mil drop shoe, go and put like a Solomon Speedcross on, for example. They've got an obscenely high drop. And as much as 10 mil doesn't seem like that much, when your foot is in a shoe, you're going to feel it. You're really going to feel it. So what you need to do is you need to first and foremost start by, if we've if we have ever trail run before or run before, look at the stack wrong. Look at the drop of your current existing shoes and don't stray too far from that to start off with because a lot of people go oh but there's lots of influencers wearing barefoot shoes like vibram uh, sort of vibram five fingers or vivo barefoots or all of the other ones vivo seems to be everywhere at the moment and everyone seems to be wearing them because they're all trendy hipsters drinking oat milk lattes in their coffee shop but do you need them for all of your trail runs well talk from experience here if you rush into wearing barefoot shoes like I did and continue to run 100 mile weeks like I did, then you will break your feet like I did in four different spaces. And it's not going to work and end well. If you're transitioning to barefoot running, and this is kind of a subject on its own, really. But if you're transitioning to barefoot running, you cannot rush it. Expect the transition to barefoot shoes from stacked and dropped shoes expect the transition to take no less than six months and that's six months of scraping back to absolute basics how to run because you're going to run completely differently but it's going to go back to the old adage if it ain't broke don't fix it what do i mean by that well if you're running fine and painless you don't need to change anything yet so to answer Lowry's question what do you think about barefoot running for, sorry barefoot shoes for walking around the place i absolutely love them but if you're going from relatively stacked padded cushioned dropped shoes and then you're spending a lot of time in barefoot shoes expect your achilles maybe to start disagreeing with you a little bit your calves are going to be a little bit more sore because you're using them more your feet are going to be a little bit more sore depending on how much support is actually in the shoe itself if it's a very flimsy sole like the vibram five fingers for example the soles of your feet are going to start hurting a lot more um, when i was a chef and i'm on my feet all day for 12 15 and 16 hours a day i was wearing barefoot shoes because they were fantastic because actually it was really comfortable to be on my feet all day with them on so instead 
what we can do is we can just go into it slowly. So yes, absolutely wear them around the house and to work and shopping and stuff like that, because all you're doing is strengthening your feet. When you're going into running, you need to take this a lot more slower. So look at what the current state of your shoes are that you're wearing at the moment. And then let's see how we can improve that very gradually if you need to over time. But first and foremost, look at the style of the current existing trainers that you're using and don't stray too far from there. Now, good fit. Make sure your thumb, this was again off Google, make sure your thumbs, uh, wrong, make sure your shoes have a thumb width space between your toes and the front of the shoe, just enough heel support to keep your foot from slipping. Ben Turner's ad addition to an extent. Again, depends on the type of running you're doing. If you're doing lots of longer distance runs and you're maybe breaking into like ultra distance runs or going anything over a marathon, then maybe you're going to need a little bit more space at the end. You know, maybe you're going to have to go a full size up. Like, for example, my long distance shoes, I'm a full size up compared to what I am normally to ensure that I've got plenty of space. A, when I'm running downhill, my toes aren't hitting the end of the shoe. And B, after I'm going for distance, my feet have got the opportunity to spread and swell and do what they need to do to allow zero restriction in movement within the foot. You know, a shoe is not a, it's not a cocoon for your foot. It's a bed, right? If we put our feet in a straight jacket, they're going to get very unhappy. If we give them a little bit more room to breathe with a little bit of stability and support, they're going to be in a great place, you know? So looking at good fit, again, you need to try some shoes on. You need to see, because if you go one size up in certain shoes, they're going to slip off and they're going to feel really loose and horrible. And it'll feel like the laces are too, um, like when you're pulling the laces together and the two parts of the upper come together, they might end up touching, you're going too big. You know, it's just understanding what is going to fit for you because good fit is very much by definition to yourself. And then cushioning and support is basically going back to that conversation about barefoot, um, sorry, more minimalist running is understanding what cushioning and support do you already have? If you're wearing Hoka speed goats, then guess what? Going for Vibram, uh, sorry, going for Vivo barefoot, it's going to be a terrible idea. You're going from something that's super padded, super cushioned to something that has zero cushioning, then your feet are going to disagree with you. But again, what you currently run on at the moment is going to really help you. Now, for some people, they might be like, well, Ben, I don't really do any running at the moment, so how do I know? Well, great, good. Try some try some shoes on and start at somewhere between a six and an eight mil drop, so you're somewhere in the middle. And then what you're going to be doing is you're going to be setting yourself up for relative success. So looking at the Innovate shoes are very good. If you are dead set on going for zero drop shoes, then Ultra are fantastic because they've got a little bit of cushioning, and a little bit of support in the sole. So it doesn't feel like you're actually running on nails, um, but they are zero drop. So there is no difference in height between the heel and the toes. But again, it's down to your own personal preference. You have to go and try these different shoes on. Don't be that person that just orders a pair of shoes online and then thinks, right, this is what I do now, because it can be very expensive. And you can save yourself a lot of time and effort and learn an awful lot more by just going to a shoe shop and trying them on. If you've got the ones where they do the gait analysis, ignore the gait analysis and just get on the treadmill with them and just run for a bit on the treadmill. And don't do running on the treadmill for like 10 seconds being like, hey, these feel fantastic. Get on there and, and you know, stay on it until you get kicked off. You know, spend a good five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 minutes on the treadmill running at different paces, at different inclines in the shoes to get a feel for what they feel like. What are they going to do? Kick you out? But you need to be make you need to make sure that you're making the right purchase because let's face it, trail shoes are expensive nowadays. Uh, why is that not working? Here we go. So going from the roads to trails, going back to the sense of direction thing, um, we need to make sure we can start easy. 
So if you're used to running pavements, if you're used to running roads, if you're used to running tarmac generally, find canal paths, go to the woods, go to your local park and just start to introduce very tame levels of trail. Why? Because it's going to feel different. It's going to feel different and it's going to be slower. And there's no point going from zero mountain running experience to being like, hey, I'm going to go run up a mountain because you're just going to be in for a hard day and it's going to put you off. Let's lower the bar enough for that we can achieve it, mix up our different routes, uh, incorporate different paths, go to the woods, literally take random purposeful detours and go and enjoy it. You know, we, do in a, uh, we did a trail running workshop oh, a couple of months ago now. We went to a local hill by me. And part of it, I got the team to run around on tree trunks that had fallen down, like um, logs and stuff that had fallen down on the top of the top of the hill. Why? Because you're playing around. You've got to be a little bit more dynamic when it comes to trail running compared to tarmac running. So the more you can goof around and the more you can enjoy yourself and jump on things and basically act a bit more like a child, the more you're going to adapt to trail running an awful lot more. Remember, you're doing trail running for fun. You're not doing trail running for torture. So let's go and have some fun. Don't be ashamed to go and jump on bales and logs and stuff and run around when other adults are looking look at you going, oh, what a child. Sodom, go and have some fun. And the more you can do that, the more you're just building something called proprioception, which is your awareness of your body in space and time. Being highly proprioceptive, I'm not entirely sure if that's a term, but it sounds good and it sounds professional. Having a high proprioception, i.e. a high awareness of your body in space and time, means that as you are running fast down technical hills, your feet are moving faster and you're thinking less. You're focusing on the ground a little bit further ahead. You know what's to come. You can expect it. Basically, let's narrow this down to the fact that you're going to fall flat on your face less. And that all comes from running and jumping on stuff and basically goofing around. The more you can goof around, the better your trail running. Number two, stay safe. Kind of covered that really with reflective things. You know, we are going to be coming into the season of needing head torches and stuff. If you want to carry a whistle, carry a whistle. Go for a, go with a group. If you're a bit nervous of going on your own, then go with a group. There's no shame in anything at all here, team. You need to feel comfortable. You need to feel safe. You need to have fun. Those three things in that in, in that order. And research popular routes. Go on Strava, look at pop popular segments. Where do a lot of people go very often if you're concerned about being on your own? Let someone know what you're doing. They might look at you and be like, you're a weirdo, but at least they know that you're going for a run. Or you can go onto Garmin live track or Strava live track on your phone and or even WhatsApp share your location and people can tell where you are. So you're being tracked by somebody. This could be a friend. This could be anyone. It doesn't matter who, but it means that you're being tracked so people know where you are in a non-creepy way. So if you're if you're a bit concerned about being on your own, whoops, if you're a bit concerned about being on your own, if you're concerned about, you know, going out on your own in the dark, in the woods and things like that, then let's strip this back a little bit. Let's make this a little bit easier. What can we do to lessen this burden on our mind? And what can we do to stay safe? There's a lot that we can do for sure. And from what I have seen and from what I have heard and what I have experienced, we can make our lives a lot easier by going through some of these things. And also just having the confidence to yell at people really like if, if if you're concerned about people you know there are some horrible people out there we all know that and having the confidence to yell at people is going to immediately disarm them it's going to immediately disarm them to an extent 
and give you the time, the shock factor for them, give you the time to get the heck out of there. I'm not teaching you self-defense here, team. I'm saying, look, if somebody is is coming towards you and you feel threatened, then you need to instantly shock them because they're not going to expect you to shout at them or whatever. Think of them as a bear. Think of these people as bears. What do you do when you see a bear? You shout at the bear. Why do you shout at the bear? Because the bear then goes, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And then it goes the other way. And then you go the opposite direction. Think of it as bears. You live in a town full of bears. And it's not it's not going into, you know, the Bruce Lee pinky hold and putting people into submission. We might want to do that sometimes. It's not about that. It's just about getting yourself away from that situation because, oh, I'm going to try to very sensitively generalize here, but I think a lot of these situations that people find themselves in is very much a chance situation. So we need to take ourselves out of that chance situation. Now, don't get me wrong. I am definitely not putting every single one of these potential outcomes into one pot here. I'm saying this is what we can arm ourselves with, um, just with a bit of knowledge, with a bit of background to ensure that we can stay safe, but also stay confident and comfortable in our own heads. So number three, check your own pace. This is checking your ego, really. Trails are going to be slower than roads. You're going to go and run around trails. You're going to go run around the road, the sorry, the woods. And guess what? It's going to be slower than when you're running on roads. It will be. It always will be. And if we are, like I said before, if you're going out for the speed of fast 800 meters, then consider going to the track if you want to if you want to uniform your times. But if you want to become a trail runner and get better at trails, then do your training on trails. If all you've ever done is fast 5Ks on the road and then you're a bit disheartened that you haven't done a fast 5K at the same time on trails, then start a new standard of fast 5Ks on trails and then and then beat that time for next time and so on and so forth. It's a bit like just restarting the, the blank canvas of training, you know? And remember, you're there to enjoy it. More than anything else, you are there to enjoy it. So remember to actually have fun, actually have a smile on your face. Um, and then finally, look at building up. There's a lot of spelling mistakes on this page. I apologize about that. I didn't notice those. Grammarly is not been working for me at the moment. And that's all I rely on for my spelling and grammar. Um, build up. Don't rush to go and run up mountains. It will come. Consistency is the battle that we must win. And that is probably something I'm going to get on a t-shirt because I've been saying consistency, consistency, consistency forever. We need to build consistency. You know, it's taken me a long time to be able to run up the hills that I run up at the moment, um, just to be able to get to the top of them without them kicking my ass, to run up Cadridris like I did on Monday, you know, and and feel strong and comfortable without feeling like I'm about to die. It takes a long time. And that comes from building that easy aerobic base and then going through specific training with lots of recovery. There's no rush, but there is definitely a strong argument for incorporating a lot more of your training on trails if that is what you are trying to build up to because specificity trumps all when it comes to training so i think that was the last slide yes it is the last slide so team i hope that helps you know i want to just quickly flick through a few bits and pieces you know when it comes to essential gear let's not overcomplicate it let's not burn our bank accounts let's keep it nice and cheap let's keep it nice and simple and let's go and learn don't skimp on training tops because you will pay for it in terms of chafing and stuff. Make sure you've got something long-ish on your legs, especially around the thighs, because it can be very uncomfortable. And understand in terms of distance and duration of your runs, do you actually need to have a snack vest? Do you need to have water bottles? Do you need to have a bum bag? Whatever it is. And think about being comfortable in your own clothing first. Don't 
force yourself to the trends of social media and everything else. Nobody cares. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Think about all the champions that don't do that and they're still champions. Courtney DeWalter, for an example. You know, and be comfortable. Be you. Fantastic. And then have a sense of direction. You know, when it comes to shoes, definitely go and try them on. Try lots on. Waste the people's time that are in the shop. I want you to get like five, six, seven, eight pairs of shoes out. Try them all in different sizes as well. And really be sure as to what your investment is going into. You may or may not find the perfect pair of shoes to start off with, but you'll at least learn from every single um, opportunity as you get them and you're working through them and you think, do you know what? This really works for me. Do you know what? This doesn't work for me and so on and so forth. And then when it comes to going from roads to trails, you know, remember, always start easy. Don't rush to the mountains. You know, stay comfortable, stay safe. And then we can look at checking our pace, you know, staying consistent, being making sure that we are um, uh, making sure that we are having some expectation management compared to our road running of before and build it up because there is absolutely no rush. So I'm going to do a quick check for any questions. Team, if you've got any questions, please do put them in the chat box. Uh, that was pretty belt fed. I think that was good for what I was hoping would be a lot shorter than 51 minutes, but there we go. I hope you've enjoyed that. I don't think I've missed any questions. Compression shorts. Thank you. You're most welcome. Um, did I answer that question? What are your thoughts on barefoot shoes to trail running? I use them for day-to-day -day walking, but not tried them on trails. I think I might have answered the wrong part of that question. Um, ultimately, barefoot running, uh, barefoot shoes for trail running, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You don't need them if you don't have any form of foot or knee or ankle or hip pain that is chronic, um, that isn't fixed with other mobility strength and other bits and pieces. A very, very vague, grey, fluffy answer, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes, there is benefit to it over long uh, over uh, the longer term, but don't rush into it. Don't get sucked into trends. If you're comfortable, you're comfortable. Um, but definitely for walking around, totally get it. You know, even flip-flops, they're exactly the same. Flip-flops, uh, Vibrant Five Fingers, Vivos, all the rest of it, really, really good news. Um, thanks, Ben. Really awesome week. Yeah, absolutely. My, my absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Team, we'll leave it there. This will be uploaded onto the podcast, hopefully before I disappear off into the mountains tomorrow. I'll be ready for you to catch up on Basecamp. I will see you all next time. Let's stop the screen share. Adios, team. Have a good one.